0: Welcome to a round of Gwent with I am your host Brett or the Fox Bride and thank you for coming back to episode two and please share this series with someone or somewhere that you think might enjoy it just as much as you have. My guest today is a top-level competitive Gwent player who streams seemingly every day. Most of the time it's Gwent, but hey, I catch a Valorant stream every now and then. A YouTuber where you can find all sorts of decks and Gwent information and this is all below, so make sure you check it out if for some reason you have not already. This was a fun chat and went in wild directions, covering the gamut of pop culture, professional decision-making, and higher education. All right, the guest this episode is Busher. How are you doing today or this evening? Uh, I'm
1: doing pretty good. Had a little bit of a long day. I know you said the, the same sort of thing. Been uh, mostly just jamming a bunch of pro ladder trying to get to top 64 so a little bit tired but can't wait to have this podcast
0: yeah it's that final push um this is gonna come out in you know i don't really know when but it is the last no second to last day of the season right
1: uh yeah tomorrow is yeah it's, it's, it's a little over 24 hours left
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's August 2nd right now. And so Mm -hmm. I've kind of been following a little bit of people making that last push in there. So like, how much did you play today?
1: Oh man. I, uh, I woke up at 6 AM today, probably started playing at like 7 AM. And then I think I just stopped at like 5 PM. So 10
0: hours, I guess. Okay. And that's a perfect segue into what I usually start off asking the guests. And that is, even though, you know, it's, it's a COVID world right now, (laughs) what is a typical generic day look like for you from time, wake up to doing whatever you do?
1: Well, I gotta be honest, COVID hasn't affected my schedule at all. (laughs) I, uh, usually like, I gotta be honest, the, the whole time structure thing also doesn't really oftentimes end up um, like necessarily mattering too much. You know, I just go wake up, spend like an hour or two messing around on YouTube, actually waking up, uh, go to a stream, finish the stream, make a YouTube video, mess around on my computer for the rest of the day and go back to bed.
0: What time do you, <laughs> what time do you usually wake up and go to bed?
1: Um, man, I, like over the last like year, it's changed. Like those, those time slots of like when I, when I'm awake and when I'm asleep, like changed so much, like right now, like I, like I just said, I was waking up at 7.00 AM today, but a week ago I was waking up at 4.00 (laughs) PM. So I'm, I'm just like zooming all around the, the, the schedule.
0: Okay. So, I mean, at least it sounds like you're able to set your own schedule and you're not forced into any kind of rigidity with it.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you like work for yourself uh, <laughs> and you can kind of just uh, do your job uh, at whatever time. You don't really need to be worrying about uh, working in productive work hours, right?
0: <laughs> your own boss. Okay, so I remember when I first started watching you, you were a college student. And yeah. so you dropped out of college. I know that's kind of seen as not a, not proverbial. Um, My brain is so fucking fried. Um, Pejorative. There you go. It can seem as like pejorative, but you dropped out of school and you're doing this full time. Uh, Take me through the decision behind that.
1: Um, Yeah, sure. So I was going to college for chemical engineering in high school. Um, I was pretty good at like the whole science and like math thing. Um, And I, I made the really, really classic mistake of just confusing what i was good at with what i enjoyed doing you know so like i was i always kept getting told like ah oh, cam you you fucking rock at this chemistry thing you you should definitely go to go to college for it and personally i mean i i think there's like a little bit of like um culture in general or like american culture that just tells you like college is the only route which um i do disagree with a little bit but we can get into that a, a little bit later maybe um And, you know, I I just kept getting, like, all this positive reinforcement, like, oh, you should, you should do this. It's definitely, it it suits you. And then um, when I, when I got into, like, my senior year of high school, I started realizing, like, oh, maybe I don't really like this whole chemistry thing because, I mean, most of the time I just found, like, it's not particularly entertaining, you know? (laughs) This is like some full-on nerd shit, and then I was like, "Well, I kind of like video games, you know. Let's let's see if I can make something happen here." And like immediately, when uh, when I when I started to start streaming, um, I was like, "Mom, I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna try to try to make this streaming thing work." And obviously, her being a a reasonable person was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: And uh, I was like, give me like an off year and I'll, uh, I'll put it together and I, I can have a concrete plan for you. And she was like, nah, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> take, take your like scholarship. Cause I, I, I was getting a pretty, pretty good scholarship from like academics and all that. And she was like, you, you shouldn't throw that away um, because I, I think something to do with like the timing made it so that uh, I wouldn't get nearly as good of a scholarship if I did in fact take, a, take an off year Which, retrospectively, good choice, even though it didn't end up, like, working out for me. Um, It meant that I got, like, two grand of student loans rather than, like, 15 grand. (laughs) Yeah. I'll I'll definitely, uh, I'll thank her for that. Um, And, you know, I I said, okay, fine, I'll do that. And then when I started going to college, um, I just really had a problem with it. Uh, because i just found it was the same thing as high school except you were kind of just doing it in a place that was further away from you with people that were a little bit older you know i there was still all that bureaucracy and still all that class structure and it wasn't anything like they said it was going to be where it's like listen you got to be good at taking the test because They don't care about anything else. And I was like, I'm going to take tests. I don't want to bother with any of this classwork. And that's exactly what I did. And then I failed all my classes because.
0: (laughs) You didn't do the classwork.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And so at that point, I was like, well, this is obviously not working out super well for me. You know, I I grinded through high school. I got got that done, even though I didn't exactly enjoy the structure. I thought this would be a little bit different. Um, And then. Compound that with the fact that I was, you know, realizing at the same time, like, this is not something that I actually legitimately have a passion for. It's just something that I had, like, a little bit more aptitude than my peers for.
0: Yeah, and that's something that's good that you realized that pretty young. Because for me, it was junior high when I was like, I love history. I I only want to read about history. I want to teach history. And from that moment on, it was, okay, I'm going to do this. But when i was in college it was when the poker boom blew up in like 2003 (laughs) 2004 and for a while there my day was i'd get up i'd go to classes and if i wasn't actually in a class or writing some kind of paper because that's all you do in history really it was i was reading about poker and then i'd play it online and then once the sun goes down then you go to the underground clubs and you do all that. And i did that for basically like a year to 18 months and i was like this close to doing kind of what you did where it's like oh i think i can do it oh i think i can do it but it's one of those it's just like oh man i don't know if i can because the big thing there was my parents didn't graduate college and i was the first person to actually graduate college so i knew i couldn't just i mean and they're paying for it and so what they did there was i graduated you know a general four-year degree in five and a half years Cause I kind of just kept doing it. And then my parents like, okay, you're done. You're cut off. And then I had to do it on my own. So it seems like they're pretty supportive though of you, right?
1: Um, well, I, I just, uh, well, first off, my parents are, uh, are divorced. I don't live with my, uh, with my dad. He lives in Arizona. Me and my mom have moved to Colorado. Um, and I I was just really stubborn about it. You know, I I developed an amount of like bullheadedness. <laughs> and uh I after just, you know, completely demonstrating that college wasn't gonna work for me and at the same time I was showing this really large amount of passion for uh for streaming, even though at the time that I was dropping out, um it most certainly did not look like it was going to be a a financially good decision. Um, but I, I think my mom saw like one, I was a little bit too stubborn for her to, to reasonably convince me to, to do something otherwise. Um, so her, her options in her head, I imagine were like, well, I can like abandon this kid and he'll go just like work at Walmart and do exactly what he's doing. Or I could, um, could help him out. I like him as a roommate, let's let's see what happens. It seems like she chose the second one, apparently. Um, and then, obviously, uh, a little bit beyond that, I, I started actually making like a decent amount of money at Streeting. Um, it did finally start paying off and I was like, all right, mom, I did it. I told you I was gonna do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so, uh, that seems to be a big thing too, is you have to prove it. And then once you prove it, it becomes viable. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like that's something that it's hard to show, especially people who may not have grown up like playing. Cause even, you know, I didn't grow up when I was in college and I was playing games like that. There was no streaming. There was no paying people to do it. And so I understand when people say like, how in the world do people make money just playing a video game that people watch? I can see where it's kind of hard uh, to do that. Oh yeah. So what do you in when any free time you get, what do you like to do when it's not, involved in basically what is your career
1: yeah i mean <laughs> it, like i said if most of my day is kind of just like all spent uh spent on the internet so whether that's playing like um like a certain game that i'm passionate about at the moment um like for example right now i am playing like an absolutely absurd amount uh, of gwent but a lot of the times i play gwent as my job and then i play some other game you know either with like some friends or you know just whatever it may be um in in my off time and then you know I, I just enjoy that um other otherwise i i really like watching movies a lot um like the the process of storytelling is something that i like find really interesting you know i i imagine if i was you know came from a really rich family i'd probably go to like movie school or something. Right. <laughs> but, uh, that's way too expensive and way too impractical for, uh, for me or my mom. Um, but that is something that I always find just super interesting.
0: Is it like um, from, you said like movies and whatnot, is it the writing aspect? Would it be directing or,
1: um, just like the, the, the process of storytelling. So I suppose it, it would be writing because, you know, I, I have like a passion for like books as well. Um, audiobooks because who actually reads anymore right (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but you know like stories within books or uh adaptations to um to the screen like game of thrones I, i really did enjoy that and i especially enjoyed like dissecting exactly why uh the last season like degenerated so hard um and like what the reasons are more so than just like going along with the the just what other people are saying i wanted to like figure it out for myself um and that's just something that that i enjoy other than just like streaming
0: okay because that was something like i i like to write um you know i've done one thing i did like that witcher story that people did some voices to Mm -hmm. and when i left college coaching i left because i wanted to write for tv and i spent like 18 months maybe a little bit over a year and i was like nine to five just like you said just writing 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 And that's what kind of always drew me to the same. It's, it's the storytelling, but you're right. It's like the breaking down of it. And it's almost the like analytical sense of what makes this good. And like you said there, it's so easy to take like a good story for granted and be like, oh, that's just what it is. But then understanding what works and what doesn't work. And so as far as you mentioned, like the last season um, of Game of Thrones, have you read the books?
1: Uh, I'm currently listening uh, through the audiobooks and I'm almost done with the second one just because the series was so disappointing at the
0: end. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. that um, Cause I had some of the audio books cause that was, how do you think, well I'm trying to think of what it would be like the adaptation. So you, you said, okay, so you finished with the first one in the first season. Mm-hmm. Like how do you compare the adaptation to it or how do you think they did? Um,
1: as far as I know, like this is a relatively popular opinion, but Dan and Dave, the the showrunners, were just super good um, adapters yeah. of George R. R. Martin's work. Um, but when it when they started running out of books to go through, you know, in season six, it, it was a really obvious turning point of like, oh, this is a very different style, and we're watching a different show now, um, which. Can we can we get into spoilers? Am I am I fine to do that? Give examples. Yeah, it's
0: yeah we're we're speaking of spoilers here. If y'all have not somehow watched or you're going to watch Game of Thrones, <laughs> skip ahead. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so
1: like as soon as you get into season six, like second episode or something, Jon Snow is waking up, and you're like, oh, wait, that's not supposed to happen. This this entire show is a, is a show about consequences and uh, realistic. Repercussions to your actions. It's a deconstruction of all these fantasy tropes, and I'm watching a fantasy trope happen on my screen right now. And now, granted, season six is still great. I loved watching all of that. Battle of the Bastards was really fucking cool, um, but then you get into season seven, and then it's like entirely original work done by uh, by Dan and Dave. And the seasons are getting shorter, so characters get less development. And then it's just, oh no, 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 it's going way downhill and nothing's making sense anymore. It's quite a spectacle, but the technicalities of the writing is just not really enjoyable.
0: Without it being like a leading question, uh, do you think George kind of didn't help as far as like the ending goes? Cause he, again, you know, when they signed on to do the show, They it was pretty much understood like, oh yeah, two books will be finished by the time we're done. And then we can go whatever. It can be like eight seasons, 10 seasons. It wasn't set on, it was going to be eight seasons. It was eight seasons, right? Yeah. Okay. It's gonna be eight seasons. And so it seemed like there was a point where it was like, okay, this dude is not going to finish even one of these books. And we are here in August of 2020 and it's still like, I don't even know if they're ever going to come out. I've lost hope and expecting even winds of winter to come out. A dream of spring is, right, that is not coming out. <laughs> and so I kind of kept thinking that they might have been, I don't know, annoyed with him, and then he kind of wouldn't helping. I don't know. It just seemed like it was such a disaster. And I know we'll never get the true story because you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. But like you said there, everything was on here. Everything was on there. And then once that source material ran out, it was almost like George was like, well, what are you going to do? So what's the biggest reason you think that it like fell apart other than like they couldn't really adapt it too well. Was there anything specific?
1: So as far as my understanding goes, um, essentially George R. R. Martin, like knows where his story is going to go. You know, he, he, again, spoilers in in case anybody still cares. Um, uh, I I'm sure he told Dan and Dave, like, yeah, uh, Daenerys is going to go crazy. She's going to burn, all the King's Landing.
0: Yeah, that's that's going to
1: happen, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be because of, like, all, all all these different things. And then Dan and Dave are like, well, we need to get her from right here to right here, except we don't know how to do any of this part in between.
0: And we're going <laughs> to we, do it in five episodes.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not going to give it, it any time to develop. Daenerys is going to go from, like, super happy trying to trying to just kissing up on Jon Snow in episode two to literally lighting everything on fire in episode six and it's like okay how, how did that happen there definitely was not enough time there was not enough things that happened in between for her to go from completely sane and rational to absolutely insane like a bell rung and she was like oh god not the bell and then she just goes crazy <laughs>
0: yeah and that's yeah. I actually haven't talked too much about the last season because once it came out at the time I was big into like the spoilers and getting all the episodes when they got leaked. Like I was one of those people, like on the Reddit free And when the episodes got leaked before, I was going to watch them and do all that. And so when all that was happening, it was like you said, everything was happening so quickly. And then the discourse from everyone else. And it was just this thing where I loved it so much and it was just going to hell that I almost was like, okay, let's just get it over with. And then I'm just going to keep my good memories of it. Cause I haven't gone and rewatched the series and I, I will rewatch it, but I don't think I'll rewatch it at all. Like the seventh season. I don't even know how much I'll rewatch from the seventh season. Maybe um, uh, field of fire, whatever that uh, spoils of war, like field of fire two or whatever that one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but beyond that now, and then with the last season, I think only uh, like the battle at Winterfell and then like they kill the Night King and I'll be like, you know what, let's just go out on that note. We don't need to go um, past that.
1: Yeah. To be fair, the the battle of Winterfell had a little bit of criticism around it as well. Um, But when, when we were uh, back in like season six, I started watching, I think when season six had just released, um, and I, I watched through the, the whole series up to the end of season six for my first time in like, I don't know, a, a week or two, I, I just jammed it really, really hard. And obviously, it was it was really good. And I was happy to just spend so much time doing it. And then in between then and the last season releasing, I had rewatched the the episodes that were available like Six or seven times just completely through either with like some some buddies because I I always had a friend that was just like looking for shit to do and we would uh, Just watch episodes of Game of Thrones every night and just because it was a really good series and then Ever since like season seven and season eight have come out I I think I did rewatch once after season seven just because I still was naive enough to be hopeful (laughs) But after season eight, it's I just Haven't found it because it just was not fun to watch the ending.
0: I think I, and you talked about the battle of Winterfell. I think the reason I enjoyed that battle was because by the time the eighth season rolled around, so through the seventh season, I was done with it being what the show was, where it was very nuanced. Like you said, when it was about subverting expectations and all that. And I was like, you know what? It's time to turn my brain off and go for spectacle. And I think maybe that's why I kind of, enjoyed the last season more than others was because I had kind of already written it off. And I was like, let's just go to the end with this. Cause like I had been kind of like with you were, you spend so much time with this. I actually had uh, wrote a spec script for the uh, like season eight premiere. Like after season seven, I wrote like a spec script and I spent, you know, hundreds of hours, you know, during researching and writing this. And so I think it's one of those, I don't know if you want to call it like a sunk cost. Uh, sunk cost there and it was just where you know what i'm gonna like this last season damn it and no one's gonna take this from me and i won't think about it anymore <laughs>
1: yeah i mean obviously the you you see all these videos on youtube of um these like bar videos where they're watching game of thrones and you know if, if let's say you watch like uh season three in a bar you got a bunch of people like screaming at uh at like tywin getting getting murdered or joffrey getting murdered and you're gonna miss something if they're like if you're just woo for like i don't know like 10 seconds you're gonna miss something and then uh it seems like in season seven and season eight it was just optimized for those moments where it just kept having all these like uh avengers landings essentially you know slamming down superhero pose and give give the audience time to clap and, and and scream about it rather than just uh like what it, what it used to be, which in itself, like, isn't bad. It's just not what I want out of that story.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty much what it is. And when I look back on it, I'll be like, you know what? We'll always have seasons one through four and you can always go back and rewatch those. All right. So one thing you do, you are a competitive tournament player. And I want to know, it was a couple weeks ago, or was it last week, the Invitational? I've lost all track of time.
1: Uh, Last week was the Partners Tournament. I think it was the week before that was the Invitational.
0: The Invitational in which you were runner-up.
1: Yep. I got second to Unforgiven.
0: Okay. And I think what I remember that is, I got up, and I think you were already playing and like streaming. And I got up, I think it uh, whatever day that was at seven in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I think I looked back at, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night and I think you were still playing. And so, yeah, yeah,
1: it was a long day.
0: Yeah. How the hell, like, how do you do that? It's its one thing to just play it, but you streamed the entire time, didn't you?
1: Um, I, I streamed all my games. Yeah. yeah.
0: But due to
1: how double elimination brackets work, Uh, If you come from the top bracket, you're almost certainly going to be waiting quite a bit for the lower bracket to catch up to you. So I had like a solid two, three, four hour break um, in between the uh, winners finals and the losers finals that I had versus Sumo, um, which I went to go take a nap, turned off the stream. Was really tired by then because um, I had to, because of how the, the these tournaments are structured they need they're kind of optimized for for cest it's poland time uh, because that's where most players are from which means yeah i get a i get a 4 a.m start time which kind of sucks and uh at least at that time my sleep schedule was not ready for a 4 a.m start time which meant i needed to stay up through the night so i woke up at like i don't know 10 p.m or something and then i uh, i I ended up going for like 20 hours worth of play um after like 4 a.m so i don't know what is that to like midnight it was like a 24 hour day for me definitely made me feel uh so great
0: (laughs) so you mentioned you took like a nap and a break is there anything Uh, else to that you do is there something you eat or drink or in any way to to help with that because again it's just to keep the discipline it's one thing to do it but again to do it at a high level is just completely impressive to me and so what else besides like the sleep you said the sleep makes a lot more sense since you were up at 10 pm yeah. uh, but is there anything else that kind of you know really helps her as a key that you maybe unless it's too secret of a key
1: well um yeah I don't, I don't know from from what i've heard uh i mean this is gonna sound like really self-indulgent i'm, I'm sorry but <laughs> Uh, i've been told that uh compared to like my ladder performance i really just like turn it on in tournaments relatively speaking because i i just don't play really well on ladder most of the time i'm just memeing and looking at the chat and you know kind of just messing around um but when it when it comes to tournaments i, I don't know there's just like something about the the focus that comes with it there's just like um like there's this, uh, this theory on focus where like the higher, the, you need like the optimum levels of stress to actually reach your, your max performance. And when I'm playing ladder, I just am completely not stressed out at all. I'm just completely lackadaisical. I can't be asked to do any amount of math ever just because that's too hard. Well, we'll see if it works. Um, and then it, it comes to tournaments and I know there's stakes on the line and, you know, I, I I've got like, this sort of reputation of being a a relatively good tournament player to hold up. Uh, And it it just raises those stress levels to like around optimal level. And then, um, usually I don't drink caffeine. I never drink coffee, but you know, I I jam a couple, like sodas, get some caffeine in me to to keep me going. And that does usually help
0: as well. A little sugar rush. So it sounds like, and like I come, um, I'm trying not to say this on every single thing, but whatever, it's going to come up. I come from an athletic background, um, like playing and coaching. And like one thing I did in high school, I was on the golf team. And with golf, you have like you're just regular playing and then you can have match play. And it's kind of seems to me like that's what tournament is. When it's one on one, you can focus on one thing. And like knowing the decks and all that, you can kind of play that ahead. And so it seems like that makes a lot of sense. What you can be really good at that. Because like with the people that play like competitively on ladder and they try to get the top 64 and stream is another thing where I, again, it takes such a good player to do that. And cause I only stream like Saturday nights I do with my fiance. We drink, we just screw around And any time that I try to play serious and then interact with chat. I just misplay after misplay because I can't do it. And so whenever you try to do that, what's the balance you try to have between interacting with chat and being a, you know, a streamer and then actually concentrating?
1: Um, well, I, I do my very best to like uh, set expectations with the environment. Most of the time, the the default that I go to with my stream is like, I'm just here to be an entertainer. I'm here to, to, to have some fun. I just happen to be playing Gwent in the background. Um, and every once in a while that's going to, lead to some, some cool moments and then that, that's cool. Um, but if I'm taking the time to like try hard in a tournament or like for example, over the, the last couple days I've been try harding for like actually ladder performance to qualify for a tournament to see if I can maybe go to a, a, a Gwent Open. Um, I, I just try to make those like boundaries really, really well defined. So uh, most of the time, whenever it's not my turn, I'm looking over on my monitor reading through the chat, having conversations. Um, but if, uh, if I'm trying really hard, I almost just like zone that out, you know, every once in a while I'll look over, I'll see some stupid shit and I'm like, ah, that's why I'm not supposed to look over there and then I'll look back.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, um, yeah, that can be in, it seems to me that, yeah, the bigger the streamer, the bigger the audience, the uh, more knuckleheads it tends to draw. <laughs> And there are times when it's just, yeah, I just shake my head and it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, who who are these people? <laughs> uh, but one thing, one thing I love about you is you are very honest and you're very honest about the game and about Gwen. And if you think something sucks, you'll say why you think it sucks. And you don't, it's not you're like you're not toxic about it, but it's very much, there are, you know what? Not, uh, never mind. I, I won't say that. Um, I'll just say, yeah, you're very honest uh, about it. Has that gotten you any, like, uh, backlash or anything? Oh yeah. Um, obviously, like
1: you said, I'm not very toxic about it. But to be honest, I, I, I play it up a little just because I, I know, like, I look over at the chat and I see a bunch of, of Keck W's and I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> that's fun. I guess I'll be more, uh, more flamboyant and uh, exaggerated about my feelings here. Um, but, you know, obviously the the more like exaggerated you get, the more polarized people are going to feel about you. Um, like I, I was reading through a, a Reddit thread today, which was essentially me just smacking my table because I got super high. <laughs> and then there were some people saying like, man, I feel this guy. And, and there's some people saying like, what an immature asshole. And I was like, all right, man. Like. <laughs>
0: There was, I actually, I meant to do this. I forgot to pull this. It was in one of your videos on YouTube. Someone commented that they really enjoyed your content, but you cussed too much. Do you remember that? Because you responded to this person. Does that ring a bell? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and I just got to thinking, I don't know if that guy was just doing a bit or whatnot, but I don't really see, it does seem to me that you get more than other people about that. I mean, again, is it just? Do you think it's just random, or is just because maybe you're just one of the bigger names
1: about like swearing in general? I, about like
0: about like swearing or hitting the desk, or like you said, if people saying you're like immature or whatever.
1: Um, it's probably because like I am the most <laughs> immature out of out of uh, all these like regular content creators. Um, it, it's a little bit of like my brand at this point to smack the table. Yeah, I got this yoga ball and I got a channel points reward to smack the yoga ball. Wholesome though, right? Yeah. yeah awesome wholesome yoga, yoga, balls. yoga balls. There you go. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not toxic at all, but you know, I, I, I got all this like intentionally immature stuff just because I, I, I find it funny. Um, and then on top of that, I used to make YouTube videos that I just didn't swear at all. And I, I they were very analytical, uh, I essentially turned into Shin Miri on YouTube, but um, then I I, I kind of just realized, like, man, this is not really what I want to be doing. It's not helping, like, um, the brand of what I am on Twitch and the brand of what I am on YouTube are, are growing to be two very different things, and the YouTube one is getting less interest overall, and it requires more time for me to to invest into, so why, why would I have it, right? So I, I just cut it out because it's not genuinely me and
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah, there's so much, I mean, it's good for the game, but yeah, there's so much YouTube content now. What for like your future? I'm not going to, I always hate the, where do you see yourself in five years? Like every interview asks that. And to me, like, it's just absolutely ridiculous, especially if I ask you where do you see yourself in five years? Cause in five years that'll be roughly what, like a fifth of your life. Like you still would not have lived and who the hell knows. But yeah. like, as far as the immediate future, like, what is your goal or what are you kind of trying to do? Um,
1: well, like immediate, immediate future, like what I'm working for right now is I, uh, I, I've i just gotten this really sudden surge of inspiration where I've kind of told myself, like, I want to try to get to a, a, a Gwent Open. You know, I got two more months worth of uh, getting to potentially top 64 to get into a qualifier. And Seeing as how my tournament performance usually goes, I think I can reasonably do really well in either of those two qualifiers if I can just get the latter performance done. And so um, I I just really want to see if I'm capable to do it. it. And it's kind of just like giving me a whole bunch of of motivation and it's it's making the stream do better. It's making, you know, I'm spending a lot more hours doing it. It's just like manufacturing like enthusiasm that isn't like, necessarily there just inherently just by, uh, by wanting, by having a a goal that
0: isn't super easy to achieve. Whenever you do, you always stream, like no matter what, are there times when you're just like, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it today.
1: Um, I do occasionally take off days, um, you know, motivation waxes and wanes a little bit. Uh, and when I'm, just not feeling like playing the game a lot. And, you know, I'd, maybe I'd, I had like a bad day yesterday or I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling down now. I'll, I'll take a day off. Um, I don't, I, I do my very best to not do it just because, um, I feel like a little bit guilty to the people that like sub, um, and like watch consistently. I, I, I know all of them like really appreciate it, but, um, at the same time, more recently, I've been trying to like get rid of that guilt because, um, uh, I, I, I realize that people like don't want to just watch your stream because you're doing it as a job. They want to watch you because you're like passionate about what you're doing. Um, so if that means you got to take a break to be passionate about what you're doing, then take that break.
0: Yeah. It's very noticeable when somebody is streaming when they don't want to, and it makes it bad all around. And I feel, I do feel bad. People like you said, when you feel like you have to do something, and then it becomes your job and then like you said you're playing games for a living and then that can just kind of wear on you so I mean it seems like you've definitely found a good balance
1: yeah for sure I like obviously I, I would really like to try to avoid that whole like um, feel like I have to be here streaming you know I'm, I'm looking at the the counter on my, my OBS and saying, man, I got to gotta get to four hours, got to get to four hours. I, cause oftentimes I, I felt myself just saying that. And, you know, eventually I was like, well, shit, I gotta, I gotta stop this because I, I got a solid like two hours on the stream where I'm just hating my life. And this, <laughs> nobody fucking wants to be watching any of this.
0: Unless the people want you to get wound up and yeah. Potato, okay. Yeah. The, the trolls come in and they, Oh, they get loud (laughs) yeah that uh to be fair there, there there's
1: quite a bit of that which is why the streams don't necessarily do bad but it's it's just not um exactly like perfect or exactly as as you would want it to be and i i always just do think it's really important um that like in streaming especially you know i i find that uh when you when you talk about, like, streaming as a job, oftentimes, like, the first thing that you get is, like, dude, you play video games for <laughs> a living. Stop bitching about it. Exactly. But, like, there's, there's a really important thing to realize here where you can do your job without being happy with it. And you're going to be completely as effective at it as you would otherwise. But you can't really, like, stream and not be happy with it or create content or do anything that requires you to have an amount of passion for it and not be happy with it because that's just gonna show through and the effectiveness of the job that you're doing is just gonna tank because you need that, uh, that passion and love for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it shows in what I would do. If I didn't have the motivation, it definitely shows up, um, what I'd say about any job. We talked about, or you mentioned college earlier. Is college a scam? um
1: yeah the <laughs> short answer is yes I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit here okay um so like like i alluded to earlier i think um the cultural value that's placed on college is way too high and i think that's a little bit self-evident with like these memes that you see of like gender studies degrees and you know things like that not that they're like inherently bad but like that's not something that you're that's not an investment that you're making into your future. You know, that's, that's uh, you, you would do that for like um, for, for knowledge, but ultimately like what college is intended to be is a uh, investment that you make when you're 18 so that you make a lot of money for, for the rest of your life. Um, and there you just see that it's so bloated to the point where um, there's so much curriculum inside the schools that is just completely terrible to invest into um, at, at, as far as like financially. And I, I know 100%, there's not a single chance that uh, that a large amount of, uh, of college graduates and, and people that are currently in college are going through a degree that is going to, to make them like a, a decent amount of money or get them a decent return on investment, just because like, a lot of these things are either going to be um, way overpopulated because everyone needs to be going to college. That's exactly what you get told. Go to college. You, you have a good time. You, you make a lot of money. Um, but if everybody goes to college, then you're just going to get a normal amount of money, right? Like, it's,
0: And entry level jobs require a four year degree.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. So um, if it's becoming the norm, it's not exactly like, uh, necessarily worth the investment anymore. And because of the whole like supply demand, you know, kind of thing going on, if you have an entire culture saying you need to be going to college, then obviously the prices on that college are going to be going way up. It means administration is going to get bloated all all, all sorts of different reasons as to why, uh, that, that tuition is going up as, as far as I know, um, I'm, I'm kind of just like bullshitting these stats. I, I've heard something similar though. Uh, but in like the last 50 years, like, uh, college tuition has like doubled or like tripled or something.
0: Oh, it's, um, it's more than that. Cause do, um, okay. My next question is going to be, do you remember how much it was when you went to school? Like how much a credit hour class was? Do you?
1: Um, on my on my scholarship like I said I, I only ended up with two grand for a semester okay. and I was doing like 30 credit hours or something but without the scholarship it would have been 15 grand I think
0: okay because the big thing that happened you know it's all states thing you know so much of the the us is based on states especially education mm-hmm. and I graduated I graduated in 07 and from Texas um, not the University of Texas, but a university in Texas. And when I started going to college in 02, at the college I went to, a like class was $600 or like $650. Tuition got deregulated sometime I wanna say in like 2006, it was right towards the end of me graduating. And then overnight it went from 650 or $650 to a thousand. And that was literally overnight in that sense. And then when I went to grad school back in 2012, like a grad school class was like $1,300. And that's kind of the thing you're hitting on there where, and again, high school teacher, you tell the kids, you got to go to college, got to go to college, you're going to get a great job and blah, blah, blah. And then you have people being, you know, hundred grand in debt, 70 grand debt, $150,000 in debt. and then they graduate into this. And like I said, I graduated 07. 2008 was the recession. I was, again, very fortunate. I'm a teacher. So it was kind of almost recession-proof in that end, somewhat. But so many people my age, we graduated out there all into the world. Oh, yeah, the economy is shit. The worst it's been literally since the Great Depression. And now, if someone just graduated college now into COVID and all that, like, holy shit, I don't even want to think about it what that's going to be like. And so I actually, I'm probably not supposed to, but I tell the kids like, unless you are going to go to school, if you have the money, that's fine, do whatever you want. But if you're going to take out loans, unless you are specifically needing that degree for your job, like don't do it or try to find some way for it to get paid for. Hopefully, you know, maybe not the military in that sense, but some way to do it because, you know, I have friends of my own that they couldn't handle college. And then they go and then they drop out. And I'm like, well, that was like 10 grand wasted.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I just personally, uh,
0: I, I, I'm i really passionate about this subject.
1: Obviously, College Dropout is passionate about dropping out of college, <laughs> I know.
0: Convince yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just find it absolutely preposterous that we have this uh, these social pressures to buy things that you literally can't afford in the hopes of it just working out when you're 18, you know, like I am a, a, real advocate for like, not, um, just like discrediting young people's opinions just because they're young and they must not know anything. But I mean, when, when you're 18, like you, you don't even learn about how to, how, like how to invest or do any of that, like practical money nonsense in, uh, in, in, school in high school at all and you know you are just told ah go go to college it's gonna totally work out just fine and in every other aspect of your life you are always 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 told don't buy what you can't afford why would you do that but in college it's like oh yeah you're supposed to do
0: that <laughs> yeah, it's only a couple hundred grand yeah
1: and I have friends that are going to, to Denver University which is a, a private private university 70 grand a year. And I don't know how they rationalize it to themselves, but I'm just like, dude, you are absolutely insane. There's no way that this is going to work out for you. And oftentimes I find that the rationalization is, well, it's, it's what I was told I was supposed to do. It's what I'm supposed to do to grow up. And I'm like, man, you don't got to be paying 70 grand a year to grow up.
0: State school, man. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, at the very least, you yeah. know, like if you aren't like coming, if you're not a trust fund, baby, you don't have that money. You can't afford to do that. Everyone's going to give you that money for, because I don't know, <laughs> just, I, 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 like in the past, we've had like incredible amounts of, uh, of loans. Out. <laughs> like, um, that's exactly what caused the great depression, right? The, the willingness to give out uh, housing loans. Right. And then everyone said, uh, give me my money. Right.
0: Yeah, Um, banks, it was was all of that, everything just completely run amok, yeah.
1: Yeah, and from what I can tell, Grant's not an economic student, hardly know anything about it, but it it looks like a, a similar situation. Everybody's getting told this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be taking out loans. That is the societally pressured thing to do, take out loans, go to school, and it's just like, man, this does not seem very rational to do right? There's no way this is going to work out for everyone or even for the majority of people that are doing
0: it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just another thing like you hit on about, it's just a failure of the, and again, we're speaking of, you know, the U S cause that's what we know, um, yeah. a failure of the U S economic system, if you will, because when I was, When I was in high school, I was on the basic, basic plan. I did not like math. I did not like science. I did not (laughs) want to do it. Get me my damn degree so I can go to my junior college, and then I can go to my regular college. In my senior year, I took this class called Math Models, and Math Models was the dummy class. It was like the remedial one. I have something in my throat that is just on the cusp here. And I don't want to like cough and everything, but I'm about <laughs> to like crack my voice. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I don't know if I'll be able to edit that out. So I took this math models class and we balanced checkbooks. We took out like loans, if you will, to buy a car. We did all of this basic stuff. And I remember, again, I'm like 18 years old. And then this is in, God, it's just, yeah. Yeah. 18 years old and I'm thinking I've learned more in this than I have in any algebra or anything like that. And I got to think, I was like, but we consider this the dummy class. And I'm thinking everybody, this should be required for everybody in like ninth or 10th grade. So you can understand how to do things and like credit cards and just stuff like that. And I always try to do that. I taught economics for like two years And like, I didn't know shit about economics, but hey, when your social studies composite, you can teach like eight things. And in that economics class, I'm like, you know what? We're going to do very basic stuff here to where they can learn about like the most basic of things in there. And it was more micro as opposed to macro, just because I figured, I don't know, maybe I can impart something in there that they can take out of it. Because otherwise, like you said, there. These, I mean, the kids, they have nothing. they have no idea. And they're just thrown to the wolves. And like you said, if they are lucky enough to go to college, not only incurring all that debt, they're probably on their own. And it's just, I mean, into the fire.
1: Yeah. Like I, for one, didn't know what like ROI meant and uh, like APR or any of this shit. You know, when I went to go do my taxes, which by the way, self-employment taxes are an absolute bitch. Um, when I, when I went to go do that, I was like, man, I don't know what any of this means, but I know how to do derivatives and integrals from calculus, but what the hell am I going to use those for? (laughs) Like, I just, I just don't know any of this, like very functional math that I probably should know something about if I want to be a successful human being.
0: Yeah. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things too, where I don't know how to really even solve it because it's more of a structural thing and it makes people a lot of money, makes powerful people a lot of money. And again, having been on the college coaching aspect and seeing it from there, from even like the university, yeah, they're not going to give that shit up willingly, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. If I was to go like tinfoil hat mode, which I, I would like to acknowledge this as like complete conspiracy theory, because I I, I I really don't like saying shit that's like completely unsubstantiated. I, I just want to preface it like tinfoil hat, right? Um, like, it seems like perhaps the, the college board, it's within their best interest to not necessarily have financially educated young people, because they realize real fucking quick that you shouldn't buy into this bloated college system if they could just understand like, wow, this is not worth what I'm paying for it.
0: And then they'll change it and then they'll be out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. The structural change. So yeah, you want to keep them at bay. That is very tinfoily, but because you prefaced it, you you covered yourself. (laughs) All right. So, um, I think that's probably going to do it. Um, this was great again. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I'll have all, I'll kind of announce everything and put all in that sense. But last thing I'd say is if you could just leave us with, you know, some words of wisdom or some kind of saying you like, um, just in general, anything like that, anything you'd like to depart to us and the listeners.
1: Words of wisdom. I got to be honest. I don't think I've ever been put in this position where I'm supposed to be the wise one. I'm used to being the absolute idiot, but uh, I suppose uh, math is your friend. Do the math. Realize that uh, societal pressures aren't necessarily always working for your best
0: interest. Ask yourself why exactly you're being told to do the things that you are.